So, Dr. Mystical, how did you first find out about magic? How did I first find out about magic? So um, many, many years ago, uh, so when I was a teenager, I read uh, tarot cards and mostly as a party trick. Um, I'd had a lot of uh, a lot of interest around the paranormal. And then, you know, as I went through kind of my um, mid to late 20s and 30s, uh, I fell away from it um, quite a bit. And most of my job involves a lot of analytical thinking, um, certainly a fair amount of intuition these days. But uh, a lot of analytics, a lot of um, data and details, and I started to um, really just wanted to get back to my intuition, get back to the types of things that I was doing. I started investigating the paranormal again, like most people, right? That started to open up a little bit of kind of the world of magic and the world of spiritual communication and what that looked like. Um, I had a pretty strange paranormal experience and everything stopped working all right and uh like my intuition stopped working my dowsing stopped working communication stopped working uh and i sought out a mentor to kind of say what what's going on and he backwards he kind of reverse engineered me into seeing um some mediumistic ability and working as a medium and that was and that's kind of how i came across it magic grew from that really right because once you're kind of through the keyhole right you realize there's a whole different room of yeah 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 uh, of spiritualism and beliefs and magic behind there and that's kind of how i came to it was was working actively being encouraged to work actively and um and then wanting to expand that right i became a reiki master teacher and all these other things and then came to uh, chaos magic through um through you and your work and okay. actually a colleague. So, so when did you say you, uh, when you were a teenager and stuff, you got into tarot cards and um, what, like, what, what was your family? Were you Christian? Were you agnostic? What, 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 what background were you coming from on that? Right. So um, our background is, I think our family was kind of, I would say probably spiritually Christian. Uh, we weren't active churchgoers. Um, we weren't really, um, we weren't active churchgoers at all. We didn't. We weren't Catholic. Although I grew up in a fairly Catholic community, okay. um, and but I but I think I was kind of left to my own devices. Um, even so, like even you know my my wife now grew up very Catholic, but you know believes in the spiritual bent of things. But um, yeah, it was still right, still a little bit like let's gather around the table at night and deal out tarot cards and let's not invite everybody over, sort of thing. Right, so still kind of hidden, uh, sort of. How did you actually first hear of tarot cards? Like, where, how did they arrive? You know, I, I, you know, I'm not totally sure. I, I have a vague recollection of uh, being in one of my first apartments um, with um, around kind of with friends, and maybe we were talking ghost stories one night, and it came to uh, Ouija boards, and maybe that kind of evolved into. I wonder what else we could get into. Um, you know, we were young and young and dumb and, you know, just opening up as many doors and portals as we could. <laughs> yeah. What was your first tarot deck then? What was? What, it was what? Rider Waite. It was the right, Rider yeah. Waite. I think everybody begins with that. And then later when I came back to tarot after going through some mediumistic training and, and mentorship, uh, Rider Waite was the deck that I kind of, I, I began with again, because I think it's a good base system uh, for a lot of things. Yeah. 
So like you, so you kind of had this kind of dipped your toe in with tarot cards and stuff when you were kind of a teenager and stuff like that. What was it that was just basically getting the job and going into the real world that kind of took all that out and it's kind of, was it like, and now we put away the childish things? Is, that, is it that sort of a... Yeah, very much so. I think, you know, I think it was just, um, you know, life gets a hold of you, right? And you stop, yeah. you, you stop doing some of the, the hobby stuff and other things. I mean, later on when life kind of, especially, you know, when you're early career, you're working real hard, you're, you're putting all your energy into making yourself, you know, successful. But later on, I came back to the paranormal through a couple of experiences. It was when ghost hunting shows became really popular. Uh, and there were a couple locations around where I lived. So, you know, we engaged in a bit of a hunt and had a lot of fun with that. Did you bring it? Did you bring a demon home with you, or you know, or anything like that, or find a, a haunted doll or something? No. <laughs> uh, but we had a lot of interesting experiences from um, shadow figures and voice phenomenon and electronic voice phenomenon. Um, and we've, you know, and over the years, I I kind of settled into investigating one location uh, pretty faithfully for several years and getting to know. Um, the paranormal activity in there, and 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 that's where I kind of got into some of the more classical spiritual communication, glass whirling, and dowsing rods and pendulums, and um, and that was pretty interesting. And most of the time, that was all voice phenomenon. There was the occasional movement or bang in the building. Um, we have we'd had video of of full body apparitions and all right things being moved. So it was pretty interesting stuff. What do you think is like? What are ghosts then? What what what's going on there? What what is the? Is it dead people? Is it you know kind of, I don't know, a recording or what? What kind of, from your experience, what is it that you think is going on? Well, I mean, I think it is. I think it is the energy of. I mean, I, I think it is the energy of people, right? At some point, right? Um, there's a lot of people who talk about um, demons and things like that, but most, and even in negative haunt situations, I've found that most of this relates back to some sort of, per, it seems like it's more person energy, right? Human energy okay. that maybe over okay. time has become a little bit more inhuman or a little bit more dark. And um, and that tends to be kind of how I kind of ascribe things. I have a I have a, a friend and, and mentor and he jokes, you know, he's like, you know, everybody thinks we're going to summon demons, but you, if you've read anything in the paranormal, you would know that it would take millions and millions of dollars and rare jewels and gems and minerals to conjure, <laughs> to conjure anything even remotely close to a demon. And most yeah. of the time they're not bothering you. So don't sleep yeah. alone. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one about the whole ghost things. Because like, I mean, there's like, well, obviously we we just say, let's agree that there is a phenomenon. And even if there isn't an actual thing, People are seeing something. It's kind of what I, I feel about like the UFO phenomena is that like even if it's not aliens, something's happening. <laughs> you know, people are seeing something. So even in, from an, an experiential point of view, it's an interesting phenomena. You know, that why are so many people seeing um, ghosts? Why are so many people seeing these? It's the TV show things I don't think um, really helped cause that much because it's just like they're so terrible most of them they are terrible they are terrible yeah, yeah. They, they're terrible and i've interviewed people who've been on them and, and help with them and and talked with folks and and i and everybody everybody who knows me knows i i hate these shows and 
you know, it, it, I don't think it helps because I think it creates a little bit of mass hysteria. And I agree. I think something's going on. What that is, we don't know, right? But yeah. someone told me once the paranormal is just the normal is just the normal we haven't explained yet. And so let's just something's happening. Let's figure out what it is and see if we can explain it. And would you still come from a fairly skeptical point of view or would you say you're a true believer at this point? I, I think I'm probably more. I think I, I am a believer, but my my investigative technique really kind of boils down to let's try to explain things. Uh, in the normal world, right? So I'm going to, if they're having sleep paralysis, I want to know more about the medication. I'd rather them be comforted that it's something normal, right? This is yeah. a side effect of a medication or uh, an anxiety or stress in your workday that's causing a sleep paralysis as opposed to uh, your cat sitting on your chest and sucking your life out. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And are, are you using like um, the pendulums and the dowsing all that as part of the ghost hunting, or is that a kind of a separate thing? Is that looking for treasure, or what, what are you doing? With that? <laughs> I've done both, right? <laughs> right I really okay. fell in love with dowsing uh, because it was so interesting to me, and um, because not a lot of people were doing it at the time that I picked it up, um, and so dowsing seemed to be fairly fairly interesting so it became part of the paranormal investigation and I then suppose I, be, sorry just before we go any further you should probably explain what dowsing is for people who don't actually know what it is can you briefly yeah dowsing oh my god yeah. Ex so explain like, that explain just quickly just somewhere. quickly <laughs> so dowsing for a lot of people looks like using um a, a mentor explained this to me is the physical extension of the metaphysical right so your body is an antenna for uh, spirit and, and paranormal and energies and the dowsing is the dowsing rods are kind of just the extension of your body right so dowsing rods are little l angled brackets of copper or brass or whatever sticks um and you can and they kind of move back and forth open and close and it's it can be fairly binary right it's either yes or no or on or off um, but then people douse with pendulums and you can get a little bit more kind of letter orientation and they use dowsing pendulum boards and people use Y rods. And most people know dowsing because they hear about water dowsers and people yeah, sure. go around looking for wells and things like that. And I think I remember the first time I saw the water authority in the town I was living in, the guy jump out of his truck, walk with dowsing rods across my property the rods crossed he dropped a flag got back in his truck and took off yeah that's i, I find that so interesting because like we we uh, ostensibly live in a kind of a very scientific kind of age but yes we still get the guy out with the you know the two the two rods to find when anyone builds a house or whatever you know to find the water and like we're fine with that that's fine you know that that's a job yeah that's okay <laughs> that's right but anything else is crazy but I've used dowsing to find uh, things on maps. I've used, I lost my, I lost my wedding band once in a pile of snow um, and I couldn't find it. And I, I said, well, you know, I can wait till spring or I could go out with the dowsing rods and sure enough, kind of. I might have a job for you. My, uh, <laughs> my wife's uh, wedding ring has gone missing and we never found it. So I'll send you the layout of my, uh, my house and you can tell me where it is. We'll figure out where it is. <laughs> with the actual, I know with the, the dowsing rods, there's a, it's, it's kind of, it's the equivalent, I suppose, of having, the way we used to do it was like you'd have coat hangers inside, you know, pens so that the, the rods can move kind of freely. So there's kind of a less, in a sense, unless you deliberately move your hands, they're not going to move. Whereas with a pendulum, you can kind of, there seems to be more going on there that 
people would suggest, so I want to know how you feel about this, that the pendulum thing is more like subconscious movements of the person doing it. Do you subscribe to that or what, what's your thought? Yeah, I do. I yeah. do subscribe yeah. to that. I mean, I, I, I think if you're, if you work really hard to minimize your muscle movement and what's going on, I, I like dowsing rods because mine particularly live, they kind of have bear, ball bearings inside the handle. So even if I turn my hands, the rods don't turn. Oh, cool. right. Right. So yes, they're yes. fairly independent. But with pendulum work, yeah, it can be very much your hand moving back and forth or your fingers moving or you cough or you have a nervous twitch or tremors. Those things can um, set set off particularly pendulum. But I think if you practice long enough and you get to know your own body movements, you can kind of read through some of that static and some of that noise. Yeah, but I what the kind of thing... I would feel that my skeptic brain switches on is that if it wasn't just kind of body movements, then you should be able to say hang the pendulum from something and just touch it and it should move, you know, rather than having that. So there is, and it doesn't obviously. Uh, so there has to be some, and I, like, I'm, quite, I'm quite okay with the subconscious movement thing. Absolutely, I think it's, you know, if, if it works, it works. Is there any other way you can do dowsing? I'm sure there's probably hundreds of them. Yeah, I mean, I, there's, so there's positive and negative dowsers, right? And so, like, you could douse with anything, a shoestring. Um, I've, you know, there's there's stories from uh, the military where, you know, you know, range special forces units use, like, a shoestring or dowsing to kind of, they could douse their way uh, back to their camp or their base or whatever it is. And I've played with those ideas while I've been hiking to not deliberately get lost, but to kind of, you know, which fork in the path should I take um, to get home? Um, You know, not, I mean, I, I obviously I made it back to my car at some point. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, you could douse with a a ring and a shoestring or, or, you know, or um, I have, you know, some, I have a friend who kind of douses by tapping her head um, and I don't know totally how that works, but it works for her. Is it like an EFT thing? Is it a, like the, you know, the tapping? Yeah, I don't thing? know. Thing? She, she mm. tests, she calls it testing and it's, she says the energy just feels a little bit stickier. Um, oh, right. And like a, a kind of a kinesiology type way, like a muscle test yeah. kind of thing. Is it? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's, so that's interesting. And bobbers, right? So the Y stick is really just kind of a bobber. So okay. it just kind of bobs up and down. And I think there's lots of ways. And I think all of it relate. I think dowsing, when you look at spirit communication, really, is, I think my mentor was exactly right. It's the physical extension of the metaphysical. It's whatever object you touch is just a physical demonstration of your antenna, your body, the thing that you're using to, to communicate with, to, or it's what you would call it spirit bothering. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so whatever you're bothering spirits with, it's just the way that goes. But, you know, I've done cool things. I have friends who do table tipping. I have uh, friends who do um, glass whirling and I've done glass whirling. And I think that's pretty fascinating. That's an interesting old school. So I interrupted you to explain dancing when you were going to tell me about your treasure hunt- hunting experiences. So I don't know if I I found things. Um, So lost things. So it wasn't big pirate chests full of gold coins or anything like that. No, no. it it was like bottle caps, bit of a bit of a skull, bit of a dog's body, that kind of stuff. Chicken wing. (laughs) So, yeah. So you were saying you were doing ghost hunting at this point and this was kind of getting you back into the kind of 
back into well, whatever one for one better word the kind of spiritual magic kind of stuff yep. so how, how did that then change because you're saying it got to a point that you know there was some sort of incident say that when everything stopped was it ghost hunting to this point or was there kind of you know did you get back into tarot or what was going on yeah no it really was ghost hunting to that point and you know um what had happened was we were investigating um uh, a place kind of a local paranormal hotspot and there's there are a few negative stories about that place there's not a lot but a few and they recur uh through different people and they're fairly similar and um i don't know there was it was a weird it was a weird night uh, we we're all together the normal people the regular people it was a weird night we heard an audible uh call for help um okay. we're in a neighborhood so we went outside and looked and you know, to try to see if, you know, is this normal? Well, hmm. you know, is this yeah, real, yeah. real world? Yeah. Um, and as we kind of went through the night, things started to, you know, my kind of what I usually refer to is like my spidey sense started to tingle. Right. Okay. A bit, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wanted, you know, we wanted to kind of investigate this. And, you know, there's there's reports of all kinds of people being, you know, doing paranormal investigating, feeling touched or grabbed or pushed or shoved. And that's what happened to me. So okay. we were, we broke out the dowsing ride, said, you know, let's get out of recording voices. Let's do some dowsing. And we started to, I don't want to say antagonize, but we started to question the reality of what we're getting and started to offer, you know, are you really this, are, you know, is this really happening? You know, what's your, you know, is this really who you are? And things just seem to be weird and easy. Uh, and I kind of just said, I don't really think this is what's going on. And someone asked to kind of take over the questioning and started asking really specific questions about a story that none of us really knew. Um, like what the, what the spirit was wearing and were they wearing uh, Mary Janes and frilly socks and, you know, plaid skirts. And it's very kind of like, these are not questions you ask in a paranormal bother spirit bothering session. You usually say, sure. you know, when did you die? And, you know, and so this was weird, but every time the question we get asked, I would answer verbally, I would say yes or no. And I wondered what that was. And then my dowsing, I got kind of, it felt like I was being grabbed and pushed. Uh, and then after that, nothing seemed to be working. My dowsing rods would just spin in circles. Um, and it was right around Halloween. So, uh, and there I saw a dowsing class being offered. <laughs> and so uh, I said, you know, for, for a couple of bucks, I'll uh, I'll go down and take this dowsing class and ask questions. Yeah. Um, and I went down there. It turns out it was just me and this this one guy. Oh right, that's kind of like that the beginning of a horror film going on here. I went into this creepy room. It was all so dark. dark. It was this, this guy. guy. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> right, right. And then and then I was and then you know then unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> everyone died. It was very weird. Everyone died, and, and this is a new incarnation. Uh, it's the it's the it's the uh, it's the sequel. So he. Uh, it turned the class was only supposed to be about 30 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. And, or, or an hour, we talked for about eight hours Whoa. to the point where I was getting text messages saying, are you alive? Are you coming home? <laughs> you know, this is not a place I've ever been before. So people were worried. Um, and he just, he was so kind and so generous. And he asked me a lot of questions about the paranormal and the experiences I had and, and, and at the end of it, he kind of challenged me and said, I really think that you're a medium. I think that you have these in, intuitive mediumistic abilities. And 
you know, up to this point, I've been really highly skeptical of mediums and psychics and things like that. Um, and, and even if I, even if I still don't believe it, I, you know, I think people are really in touch with their intuition and he kind of, he's like, look, would you consider coming in for this mediumship development thing? And I was like, ah, that's fooey, right? That's complete hogwash. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. He's like, I, I'm not going to spend the money to do something I don't necessarily believe in. And he said, come anyway, don't, I'm not going to charge you. Um, like come anyway. And if at the end of it, you want to make a donation of the class fee, do so. And if you don't, then don't, right. If you don't have, so we, I come down there skeptical as hell and, and I'm not definitely, nothing is going to happen. I'm like, this is crazy yeah, yeah. bunk, right. Fooey stuff. And, but yeah, you still went, <laughs> you're still, there. I still went, right. I was curious. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, and he seemed like a nice guy. So, you know, we had a good conversation. I figure at least I owe him an opportunity to prove himself, right? If he thinks, yeah. if he thinks for sure, we'll check it out. And I wanted to develop more, get back to more of my kind of intuitive gut gut sense that I've been missing in my life. Um, so I went down there, and we he, you know, they kind of walked. He kind of walks through the, he walks through what is mediumship and the clairvoyance and all these things, and yeah. and then he he's like, all right, so let's now let's let's get into it. Let's start doing it. And I was like, wait a second. I don't even know what it is. What does that mean? Yeah. We're going to do it. And he's like, so we're going to meditate. We're going to do a guided meditation. And then he, there's about 10 people in the room and he starts pairing us off. He's like, you go with this guy and you go with her. And so he pairs me with this guy. I still don't know this guy's name. Um, and he, he's like, all right, you guys go over into this corner and I want you to tell the other person what you saw. And I was like, sure, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know. I saw a picture of a mountain and it had like sunbeams coming over it. And, and he's like leaning over me and he's like, what color was the mountain? And I was like, I don't know. It was like bluish, grayish, like it's a mountain color. What do you want from me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what color were the was the light? Was it yellow? Was it red? I was like, it was like sunsetty. And he's like sunsetting. All right. Was it a picture? Or was it a, was it like you were seeing it real? And he's driving me and he's pushing mm -hmm. me. And I was like, oh, so we finally get through the end of the kind of the help session of figuring out what it is I saw. And the guy is, this is wintertime in Western New York state. So it's cold. Uh, it's cold in the building. Uh, and the guy, and the, so the, the, the trainers, like the, my mentors, like, all right, he looks at the other guy. He says, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> Cause he's, this guy's sitting there like just blank faced. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, it does. And I was like, come on, that's, <laughs> I'm being totally set up, right? Totally right. set up. He took off his jacket. He rolled up his long sleeve shirt and underneath his shirt was a tattoo of a bluish grayish mountain <laughs> with sunbeams or like something break light breaking over the mountain. And I was like, come on, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, here's your 20 bucks, right? Here's yeah. your, right. Uh, and he's like, same deal, come back next week. And and I did that for about two months, three months, <laughs> just, I, just I, like I, that. And then he started to push me into doing it professionally. And, uh, and that's kind of what I started to get into the kind of the woo, woo stuff and sort of the magic and learning from him and what he did. He was a chaos magician as well. Uh, I mean, he worked as a, he worked as um worked on, on Native American reservations, First Nation reservations, and 
he did all this kind of great, like, you know, he be, he really did become a mentor and he, you know, started to show some of his, the, some of the other things that he was doing and brought me in on things that he was working on and really interesting stuff. And so was it like when you were finished that, were you convinced like that this is, I'm a medium, this is all real, here we go? Or what, Yeah, as, yeah, my, yeah, as yeah, my wife yeah. says, she, I believe you believe, right? And so, um, and so I, yeah, I think for me, I was like, I want to continue to see what this brings. And as I worked with other people who were known mediums, and I grew up out like about an hour north of um, a, a psychic medium community called Lilydale, which is an American spiritualist kind of, I don't know, community, closed okay. gated community. Um, and I knew people who had been trained there and, and lived there. And as I started to work with them, and certainly there was gaps in my knowledge, but I, you know, I started to seek that kind of validation and I started to have all these sorts of crazy experiences. And what I learned mostly was just to trust your intuition, trust what you're being what you're being told. And that's what's kind of pushed me forward. So I guess I'm kind of interested being that you went from the skeptic to the full, the full uh, Scooby-Doo believer. What, 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 what's your kind of worldview then or your cosmology? What, what, what's going on here? Like what, what's, because if you're like, I suppose, what is the agency of why dousing works? What's the agency of mediumship? What, what, you know, what the hell's going on? <laughs> What's, what are we doing? <laughs> I just think there's, you know, I think, honestly, Tommy, I just, I think there's more to this world than we know there is. I think, you know, there's the, there's talk about kind of science, uh, you know, kind of, uh, what is it? The is, oh, it's like um, scientism as a, it's become, uh, it's become its own religion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I think that, you know, we, 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 you know, we go through this kind of scientific awakening as a world and, you know, we need to have the preponderance of evidence. And I don't disagree with that. I think we should be researching and figuring it out. But most people who are scientists, and I work with scientists all day, every day, will tell you we're not, the only thing we can do is prove that something isn't real. Not That's that we, yeah, right? Yeah. We can't prove that it's real. And we can only prove it's not real under these certain conditions, which means we can't, if you interject a new thing and a new condition, we, you know, the whole scientific experiment starts again. And I think that, um, you know, I've taught, I've even talked with engineers who work in paranormal and work in, and who are, who are building these, this equipment and, you know, that they're kind of the same mindset of, you know, there's something happening, right? There's an energy around us and we've known it forever. If you go back in history, we, we know energies, even if you look at some of the more darker times of our history, there was experimentation done on, you know, souls and spirits and do they have weight or do they have mass? Um, and I, so I, I think there is just this kind of, there's just something else going on. And these stories of, you know, of fae and elementals and, uh, and, these things come from a place. They come from some something. What is that thing? We've maybe we've lost touch with it. Um, but I think we're coming back to that. Can we've kind of we, this pendulum swung way to the side of scientism, and I think we're coming back to a more neutral ground. And I've got, you know, I've got friends who talk about, you know, they talk about a coming of dark times. I guess maybe now that's per, more that was more prophetic than maybe I gave it uh, gave it credit for early on but 
talked even about how science is doing dark matter experiments and how, you know, these things are starting to bring about negative energy in the world. And, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know yet. I haven't really thought about it, but my kind of my worldview is that there's more going on in this world than we can see with our eyes. And we need to, and even with our religions, there's more going on than our religions allow us to know. And, and when you look at it from that kind of, when you look at it, like how did the Catholic Church evolve and start to, uh, you know, culturally appropriate all these religions into its own dogma? Yeah. I mean, that tell you start to see the world through that kind of, all right, maybe I should be skeptical of this particular dogma because it really is related to this dogma. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so do you think that it's kind of a deliberately hidden thing or is it just uh, that's just the nature of thing? Deliberately hidden by other humans, I mean, rather than deliberately hidden. Yeah, yeah no, I totally do. And, you know, this is, you know, I this is where my skepticism takes over. Right. I look at, you know, I look at the power structures and, you know, how do we how do you know how, what does wealth look like? What does resource look like? How do we control a society? And. You know, when we saw the the dogmas of these smaller religions or these different cultures as like particularly like the Catholic Church grew, right? We we see the appropriation of these of these religious or spiritual beliefs into a patented dogma. And then we start to see rules develop that bar people from doing these things. And I catch yeah, yeah. that even, you know, when you asked your question earlier about what was your faith growing up, you know, I I have you know, very faithful Catholic friends who are like this, you, this is necromancy. You know, you're, sure, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're summoning the devil and I haven't yet. Um, not that I've tried, <laughs> but I yeah. seem to be off the radar. Uh, and so, but I think that, right, we barred this particular power, but if you look at religions, what are priests and uh, priests and druids, and if 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 not mediums, right, are not sensitives, intuitives yeah. that are, that are channeling. Well, things. I mean, like the mass, the Catholic mass, in particular, is the most uh, magic ritual. You know, like an example of magic ritual you'll ever see. Like, it's, like, like it's so weird because, like, they have this whole notion of let's drink the blood of God and let's eat the body of uh, of uh, God. But that's fine. That's not weird at all. That's just normal. But you, you with your tarot cards, that's Satanist. Don't do that at home. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, right. Yeah. And then the tarot cards, right. Yeah. That's necromancy, right. I'm summoning the demons to come forward with messages of hope. <laughs> yeah. It's an odd kind of one with the, the whole kind of uh, power structure and stuff like that, because it, do, it does seem to be, um, if you look at it, you can see these type of things that are your, you know, not allowed to do things. Things have become certain to boo, so much so that the whole kind of thing is called a cult, being that it's hidden and all of this. But like, they've done a terrible job of it too. I think it's like, you know, right. it's, it's the worst, just... it's the best kept, it's the worst kept secret in the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it was on Oprah, you know, so, so <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. We're just hiding our, we're hiding our occultism in plain sight is all. <laughs> do you think it's, the, the people who are hiding it or the power structures are ultimately the people or the beings that have the most control or do you feel that the actual inert magic quality of the universe has more say or what what what, what way is that battle in heaven working out for you yeah. <laughs> a, yeah. a battle in heaven goodness yeah. um well I, I mean i like to think that people are inherently good i'm reminded 
pretty routinely that maybe they're not. But um, but I like I, I like to think that you know the you know the power the power dynamic works in such subtle ways. It's not it's not necessary. I don't think it necessarily began as overt. I think it began as um, we understand this more because we're attuned to it and we study it. And you, the general public, the lay person, don't understand it. And you're not using it in the way that we want you to use it. So let's create a structure around ways that we use this. And we see this even today within corporations with policy creation and, and you know, funnel, filtering of information up and down the ladder. I You know, I think that I don't think anything's changed. I just think that the power structures are less transparent and less open with kind of, you know, than, than they could be. And I think, you know, I do think that the reason why there are these little pockets of occult resistance, um, right, that, that connect to each other, I think it's because the overarching view of the universe is that we should all be allowed to explore these things. I don't yeah. need, I don't necessarily, and I tell this to people I work with, I, I don't need to be your intermediary. You can ask spirit or the universe or whatever you want to call your deity, any questions you want, and you can get the answer for that. Um, yeah. If you want me to help you as the intermediary, great. Um, but you don't need that. I, you know, I don't need that. And every once in a while I'm confused and I ask, but, um, you know, ask someone to help me out. But yeah. You know, I, I just think that we're I think we need to have I just think the power structures. And I don't think it's overt or necessarily evil. I think yeah. that it's just been attributed to that over and over again in time. And then at some point, Tommy, we can't unpack that. Sure. Right? We yeah, can't yeah. go backwards and say, all right, let's just let's just open all the books and let's all just storm the Vatican and, you know, get into the base sub 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 basement with all the secret texts and. You know, we can't, they're not going to, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> my only, my kind of, um, without being full, I'm not really a conspiracy guy. I, I like them from the kind of entertainment point of view. But the, the thing you look at with power structures is the, the main kind of teaching, I suppose, that you get from it or the, uh, instruction is that this insistence on thinking that you are worthless and a bad person and you know from religious point of view it's like you're you're a sinner you're not worthy of god's love and all this and that comes then from but it's even that translates into things like um twitter and you know the woke movement and this whole idea of privilege and you know how dare you be happy and content look at all these people who have that you know so it comes to the point that not even the power structures but ourselves self-policing this insistence that we all should should feel shit about ourselves, you know, and it, and like, that's weird, isn't it? Like that. Yeah, that it we is weird, and I think that's part of right. If you look, if if you want to be a conspiracy theorist, right, you look at the propaganda around, around the around the social movements and around the power structures, and you know they, you know, if you, we. I was just having this conversation with somebody today. We treat everybody like they're a deficit. We treat, and we wonder why we treat people like a deficit or why we feel like we're being treated like a deficit when we, you know, it's all like what I know and what you don't know. And I think, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I, in my regular work, you know, the, these talks of inclusion and diversity and privilege and power dynamics are, are regular, you know, this is lunchtime conversation. And um, I think that people, I think it, it really is, for me, at least my approach to it is really like 
just don't don't assert that you know everything. For me, it's like just you know, there's things I don't know. You know, I work with somebody who has a different life experience than I have, and I think that we're similar, and they can very easily explain how we're not. But it's about not being a jerk to one another, and it's not about and it's not about him saying to me, you know, you don't understand because you come from this background, as opposed to I want you to hear my story and what that means to me, and let's then move forward from that point, right? I think it's a leveling of the conversation. I think we're all, so, you know, I don't, I try not to feel like crap about myself, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I admit that that happens routinely. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard not to, you know, uh, have that. And then, like, we know, you uh, you walk through any bookshop and there's a whole section for people who, you know, as I call it, the broken person section, you know, where you go in and you, you, like it's, it's, it's there's, so there's definitely a big business part of it, you know, as well, uh, and that. But it's just it's it's this kind of thing that you're to be optimistic or to uh, be happy is kind of there's a judgment value placed on you that you're not a good person <laughs> if you are optimistic. You know, it's like it's oh you don't care about you you know unless you're worrying and fear and then you know in turmoil you're not a good person and that's very odd and you know that that's that's not good for no, us no it's not but it's suffering is an eco- yeah. suffering is an economy right so when you talk to people who've gone through you know um and it's you know my suffering is more than your suffering and you're you suck at this you're not rich enough in this so suffering becomes suffering becomes a way that we kind of embolden ourselves like look how much i've accomplished despite you know, exactly. X, Y, and exactly. Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. more suffering you can accumulate, the better that you are. And you look at the news media and they say, well, look what the, you know, what, look what this person accomplished in their life, you know, and they, they, you know, this notion of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and knuckling down and, you know, all the suffering as an economy type of things. And the more suffering you have, the richer you are, and therefore the more power you have. And I think that, you know, I, you know, in my, my regular job, right, right, this, where I am in a system of 400 years of abuse, um, yeah, where yeah. we abused our students and the students become that conversation, like, tell me the story person that inspired you, not yeah, the yeah, person yeah. that you inspired despite of, right, yeah. that's, but it is that notion of kind of suffering as an economy. And I suppose it is also a power move on that if you can get everyone to believe that it's their fault, and yeah, therefore, you know, it's, it's the, you know, you're, you're not a victim, it's, you know, it's just that you haven't put the work in. Right. Go, oh, but hold on, sir, this is an unfair system. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. If you work hard enough, that's right. you, can, yeah. you can get whatever you want. That's right. Sure, it's a lot of hidden stuff, uh, but yeah. if you worked hard, you'd get there, just like, just just, like I haven't. And don't don't even consider the fact that it's uh, everyone from the same family is at the top of this tree. Don't don't. That's nothing to do with it. They all just work very hard. <laughs> that's right. That is only going to reinforce your uh, reinforce your beliefs that you're being subjugated. So yeah, don't do that. <laughs> right. So you've you've become a, a fully convinced medium. You've been hanging around with a, a chaos magician. So um, you see, you start doing this um. In a kind of semi-professional, professional manner, are you are you doing stuff at that point? Yeah, or? I mean it's a side hustle, um, just like it is now, right? It's a side hustle, um, it, but I mean I do it in my own kind of my own practice, my own magic, my own rituals. You know, this becomes part of um, it starts to become part of who I am and uh, part of the way that I see the world, and um, you know, and I get encouraged to 
continue to practice it at, you know, fairs and gatherings and shares and demonstrations and classes and things like that. And that's all well, you know, and it's all kind of well and good. And I fall into the community, um, kind of there was a pretty active community where I lived. Um, and I fall into that community and start, you know, start understanding a little bit more, right? And this, the paranormal also takes off from this point too, right? I start meeting people who hunt Bigfoot and UFOs and oh, wow. cryptids of all sorts and kinds. And I, you know, I start to meet all these people of these beliefs that I've never even, I couldn't, I, if you had a gun to my head, I wouldn't have been able to, <laughs> wouldn't have been able to find like, you know, people believe in like the alien influence on, you know, first nation tribes and, the continental United States. I mean, I had a two hour conversation with that guy and just fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so I start picking it up and I start getting um, traction. People ask me to come in and do work. And, um, and that's kind of where I started. I wanted to kind of differentiate uh, what I did. I, I kind of, I really like tarot. I think it's, I think the art of tarot and Oracle is beautiful um, and I want to start to, I want to start to use that because what I'm also seeing is that people sit across from a medium and, and, you know, and, and they, they're skeptical, they don't believe, or they have this profound experience that might even for you seem a little bit too believey, right? I've had people, I'm like, well, just, you know, <laughs> you need to doubt me a fair amount here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm probably wrong. Um, and, but for whatever reason, tarot... Um, tarot just became that bridge of believability. It wasn't that I was saying it. It was that the cards were saying it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that it gave us a, pl a it gave us kind of a place to have that conversation, something to look at and something to think about. And it's kind of like going, you know, if you and I were to meet and not have coffee, it would just be us chatting. And yeah, that yeah, might yeah. seem strange, but if we have an object in front of us, like a coffee or a pint or whatever, right? Now it's a different, now it's a yes, different yes. conversation and tarot yeah, yeah. for me became that. And then I started to just like tattoos or whatever else. I started to get addicted to the, the art of it. And now I've got a whole shelf full of tarot and Oracle oh, decks, yeah. <laughs> including several of yours. Well. So, um, tell me this, how then did you go from that then to the YouTube stuff and the, the show and all of that? When did that become an idea? So I'm, I'm traveling around doing tarot at fairs and, expos and things like that around around the area and um and i'm and i'm doing okay i'm i'm happy and i'm doing all right and i'm enjoying it and what i noticed was people have been doing this for 20 or 30 years um are they're lined up i mean people are just you know like to the point sometimes where they're almost exclusive and rather than be in the structure of oh well you know hell with me i mean obviously i suck at this and they're much better at it and i'm you know i need to pay my dues for 30 years i don't necessarily think that's true i mean yeah. we're all given a kind of deal that we need to we need to kind of we need we're all given the kind of the same amount of the same amount of potential we just what we do with that it becomes important um also at the time i started um i wanted to know more about tarot and started to do more and i saw a friend they were doing a facebook live from like niagara falls uh, or they were going shopping or they were buying candles or I was like, I could do that. Right. I like, I was yeah. like, I could, I could do that and maybe learn a little bit about tarot and build a community around tarot and around spiritualism and around letting people be seekers and figure things out and ask questions. 
And that is where it, that's where it started. And then it became a conduit for me to continue the work, even though I, like I relocated my whole family from New York state to Florida. Um, even when I was living in New York state, good advice I got was don't work where you live. Um, so I was on the road and exotic, I'm exotic because I come from the crappy town up the road. Um, and so um, that's kind of what I started to use YouTube for and Facebook for was doing readings just to continue to do readings and have a little bit of fun with it, um, build a community of people that were curious and had fun. And then it took off into its own, you know, I refer to it as my community as first for expediency, but it is far from that. It is absolutely their community and every time i make a change they remind me of that <laughs> <laughs> but it's more than just tarot readings and stuff that you do you like you talk about uh, different decks and you've been doing some um what's it black light stuff on it recently i've seen or the dark yeah, what's that called dark light black lights black yeah so i've been doing black light tarot stuff because i i i don't i saw and i can't and i i'm terrible and i should absolutely know who this was uh, but i saw a picture of a tarot deck called the light sears tarot which is a beautiful, beautiful deck. Um, even the cards are kind of like silky smooth. It's just, it's like a right. really fun deck. It's like an old pair of jeans. Um, and I saw a picture of it in blacklight. I was like, what is that? <laughs> what is going on in that picture? So I, uh, so it turns out I had some blacklight bulbs for no uh, real good reason. Um, and I'm not one to get rid of a lot of stuff. So I broke them out and I started to look at the deck in blacklight and I was like, this is a thing. This is a thing. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm bringing them all down off my shelf, seeing which ones work and which ones don't. And it's interesting because we're starting to see, I see the decks now from a different perspective and I haven't gotten totally into sitting there and meditating on each card in blacklight, but there are elements that are hidden by the creator and the even in so even in the 40 servants so you have this you have the the black background with the yellow unify or the red unifying sigil yeah. but if you take that image and you alter it you can see all the sigils behind the black thing right there's right. A, yeah, yeah. there's an easter egg in there sorry if i tipped tipped that off but Josh, <laughs> what are you doing you're ruining <laughs> the, right. you're ruining the magic Right. So there's all this stuff that I don't know if it was intentional or not intentional, uh, but I'm curious about it. And I think it makes the colors pop. And so even if it's just from a cool art perspective, it's something to do. Yeah. And you're, you're probably going to see, um, particularly with different uh, printing process and stuff like different, you know, bits of the art, like different line art, because the blacks will be slightly different. And that's, oh, right. that's very interesting. So even even if it's not definitely um, a deliberate thing by the artist, there's always going to be kind of some cool things but even cooler if there is the proper kind of easter right. egg stuff you know like that's what i would love for someone to say oh my god you found this what yeah. an amazing right but and maybe that is i mean that particular deck the light sears tarot has faint yellow uh, faint white lines and and they are sigils and symbols and so i knew that they were there right you can see them in the card in normal light but yeah. when you put black light on them right the white pops and you really start to see a little bit more of, in my opinion, what that particular deck is that kind of connection from that, you know, we see that as the, the kind of white becomes almost that spiritual energy through the cards. So maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. 
what exactly is the black light? Is it just a UV light or is it something? Yeah, something it's like, different? yeah, it's just a UV light. I got, um, yeah, it's just a UV light. And there, I probably don't even have real black lights. I probably have like fake black lights, um, but whatever. That's, yeah, it's just a UV light. Um, but it also shows you all the lint in, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, spilt whatever, yeah, yeah. spilt whatever. Yeah, cat hair and all this stuff. Right, right. Yeah. So I've gotten, you know, you know, break out the lint brush and make yeah. sure my background's clean and stuff like that. So what's uh, what, what's your plans for the future for us? What, what's your, what's, uh, given that the apocalypse doesn't happen, what's your plans for the, the Oh, the it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think, I, honestly, I think Tommy and me, I think for me, you know, I've eliminated, I always have ideas, right? And I want to, and I'm, and I'm prone to chase those ideas down for a little while. And, mm. um, you know, and I've created my own things. I think for me, right, I, you know, the tarot readings gave way to uh, learning about the decks and the creators and their intentions and their magic around the deck. Um, and I think that's really interesting um, so, and I've created, I have my own, uh, my own system, my little dice that I use that have, um, that have symbols on them. And, and I, and I read with those periodically and a good friend of mine helped me create stuff. Although now she says I could do it myself, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I'm, you know, I want to continue to kind of build tarot as a community. I think that it's a, I think it's an art form, um, not only the creation of it, but the reading of it. I'm fascinated by people who read. You know, I'm also fascinated when people are like, you're totally wrong about <laughs> yeah. this card. You are yeah. totally wrong about this card. And and so you need to stop saying that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's my magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah for sure. I appreciate it. Um, and I'll think about it. Um, but I'm working on my own deck right now. So I'm working oh, on my great, own Oracle great, deck. Great. Um, and I don't know, I'm kind of in the beginning stages of that. I'm going to start talking about that more on YouTube and more about my creative process and what that looks like. Um, and right now I'm just kind of in laying out what are the cards, what are, you know, what's the theme of the deck and what are some of the cards and the meanings and the messages. Um, and I want to continue just to deliver, you know, for me, this was a hobby, right? This magic was just something I could do because I can't sit around and talk to my young ones about it necessarily. Um, I, and, and it just, tarot became a community for me. So I just continued to try to, to build that community and sustain the hobby. Um, folks kind of seem to, my deck reviews and flip throughs and things seem to resonate with people. And that's, I'm honored by that. Although I'm stymied by it at the same time. Um, and, uh, so I think that it'll continue on just growing, uh, from there being consistent. Uh, if I had to set down a purpose, it's really to kind of build some, I think I'm. I think I'm done working for other people. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and I don't. And I don't proclaim to ever want to do this as a. I don't want this to be necessarily my my. I don't want to be a professional tarot reader and let this be the the sole. Yeah. Uh, support of my family and where we're going, but we want for different things than we have um, to support our kids and their needs and what they and what they want to do in their lives. And I think for me, tarot and the Dr. Mystical stuff that I do is approving rounds, right? There's a lot of other things that it creates, right? Just like sure. with you, you have yeah, yeah, yeah. the 40 servants and comics and music and art. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of that going on. We have my daughter and I are building a card game together and that's not necessarily Oracle. And, and there's all these things that I can do from what I do in my day job that I can start to bring out and be more creative around that process and start to build a life that 
you know, that I can feel good about and I'm not beholden to somebody else's thing. I think we're in, if the apocalypse doesn't happen. Yeah. Or, or it does happen, but it's awesome. <laughs> it's only if the apocalypse is bad, you know. Yeah. Right, right. It's always dystopian. Why can't it be yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that, um, I think we're going to see, um, I think we're going to see, a, I think we're in a watershed moment. I think we're starting to see what really matters in our world. Um, maybe my buddy was right about all the dark matter experiments and the coming of a great negativity. Maybe, uh, maybe he's right. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you see, you always have to remember, though, that from the beginning of time, everyone thought it was the end of the world. Like 2000 years ago, the apostles were waiting for the, you know, the return of Christ and the apocalypse within their lifetimes. And it's just something and I think it stems just to go massively off on a tangent. I think it stems from the fact that we don't really like the idea of the world existing after we're dead. So we kind of want the apocalypse to happen so that, it, you know, it all goes away at one go. <laughs> That's really interesting. I hadn't yeah. thought about it. It's like, yeah. I just want it to end. I mean, I guess. When I think about it, yeah, I'm like, ah, who cares what happens after I'm dead? But <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I suppose also like if there are doing all these, you know, like CERN and you have people saying that CERN created the Mandela effect and all this kind of stuff. Why can't it be cool stuff? You know, like it's it doesn't have to. Why do we always go straight to, oh, Callie is the destroyer. Why not Callie is the mother coming along and, you know, or, or you know, something good like open up a, a wormhole and it's not Cthulhu. It's, you know, some someone with a, you know, a pirate chest full of treasure and go, here you go, that's, that's you. <laughs> it's Star Trek, right? It's, we, yeah. like we move into Star Trek and it's this utopian, wonderful world where food comes out of our machines. And, know, yeah. right? Why can't it be that? that I agree. And, uh, I wonder in the Star Trek universe, is there someone going, oh yeah, these replicators, they're, they're secretly putting chips in you. There's a... You know, there's <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm not into replicators. They're putting stuff in our bodies. That's right, right. The, kind of the... the uh, the Leonard Mc or the is it Leonard McCoy the Doctor McCoy's version of I don't get in transporters because they oh, yeah yeah that's like, exactly that right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. maybe there is this is great fan fiction right it's a yeah. rewrite of Star Trek that this is all very now don't eat that fake food yeah he won't use phasers he's all about the essential oils that's it that's you know that's right so tell me is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about is there some something. Oh, I mean, this has just been an amazing conversation, you know, about what's going on. I, I'd love to know what you're doing next. You said, what are you doing? Where does it go from here? Where where does it go for you from here? Oh, well, I'm doing a comic. That's my next big thing. Well, it's it's comic that's also hyper sigil. That's also me, my attempt to change the world. So, uh, you know, just, you know, just a small little ambition. Nothing, nothing too big. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to upset the entire apple cart. Just all of the world. Yeah, just all of the world and uh, right, the, the rest of eternity. So, yeah, right. just small things. Yeah. So, um, tell me, uh, well, not tell me, because I know. Tell the people uh, where they can find you and all the different places. And I'll put it in the show notes, but some people don't look at the show notes. So if you can tell them, it's, it's that's true. Yeah, easy. no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can find if you just search for Doctor Mystical um, on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. That's where you're going to find me. Um, yeah. All the all those slash Doctor Mystical is where you can find uh, the work that I do, and I do live tarot readings and reviews and collaborations and deck mods and uh, i read a fair amount with the 40 servants which my community knows is like my ultimate like my ultimate personal magic kit 
um, and they like to see well, that stuff. Cool. That's yeah, cool. no. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, that, that your stuff has helped me sell my house for, you know, all kinds of good stuff. Well, I'll only take 10%. That's, that's, there's no problem. <laughs> it's just a small, it's small, small, just a small commission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so drmystical.com is where you can kind of find my website. And from there, you can link to everything. Or you can just look for me on your favorite social media. Um, and that's where you'll find the stuff that I do. So, And you have a Patreon as well. So, And I do that. have a Patreon as well. And I yeah. have a weird relationship with Patreon. <laughs> Everyone has a weird relationship with Patreon. It's that you were not alone in this. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Because I was really <laughs> feeling like maybe something was wrong with me because I wasn't, I'm not, I, I'm not in love with it. <laughs> so. Oh, no, it's just, it's just the best we have that, you know, but like it's, 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 it is what it is. Anyway, I'll not, I'll not, uh, not get into the Patreon route. So anyway, thank you very much. And we'll definitely do this again. And um, I hope you survived the apocalypse. Yeah, I hope you do as well, Tommy. <laughs> and good luck to you. Thank you so much for this. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm.